Hey you guys, are you ready for the best show in the Pacific Northwest? Here's my dad to his boyfriend and friend. All right, good morning. Here we come. It's the Ron and Don Show, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Thanks for stopping by. Special guest in studio. We'll introduce you to him in just a moment. But don't forget, if you want to get in touch with us, whether on the radio side or the real estate side, Ron, uh, how can you do that if you're part of the Ron and Don? Yeah, easiest way is go to ronanddon.com. You'll see a radio logo. you see a broker logo. Just click on that. we got a newsletter. You can reach out by email, by phone. Everything is up there, including all the merchandise. So we got the uh, Ron and Don T-shirts. $5 of those goes towards the Charlie's Dinosaur, we're going to talk about in a second. We also got the dog bandanas are in. We got small dog and big dog. So you can go out there and get one for your dogs. And I'm loving the pictures that are coming in of all the pups in their uh, Ron and Don Nation gear. Yeah, a lot of people ask me, how can we help you guys? We love the podcast. You could you could share it or, or give us a five-star. Right? Yeah, rate us, review us on all the platforms, especially most of our traffic comes from iTunes, but Spotify, we get a lot of action there as well. And then if you can just share that link out. A lot of people are still finding us going all the way back and starting from episode one and getting caught up. So uh, it's interesting to watch that when uh, new people are starting to find yeah. it. Detective Ed Troyer is here, Pierce County Sheriff's Department. We've been doing something all summer uh, with you, selling T-shirts, the, the Ron and Don Nation T-shirts. You can still get one. Uh, Ron just talked about that. Just go to ronanddon.com. $5 of every T-shirt sale goes towards uh, Charlie's Dinosaur. And what is Charlie's Dinosaur? It's something that Ed Troyer in the Pierce County Sheriff's Department and the sheriff there started a number of years ago. He joins us now live in studio. Ed, thanks for being here. And what is Charlie's uh, dinosaur anyway? Well, you know, it's interesting. We start to talk about Charlie's dinosaur because on Dateline just Friday night, they did a two-hour treatment of the Powell case. And obviously for the people who saw that, you know, I don't know what they think of that particular treatment of it, but there's been lots of them. But Charlie's dinosaur is a picture of a dinosaur that we found in a search warrant, uh, Charlie and Braden Cox also known as Charlie and Braden Powell, unfortunately. And they were victims of a homicide when their dad, Josh, brought him into a house and killed them both on a Super Bowl Sunday and then himself and burned the house down, which was the aftermath of the disappearance of Susan Powell out of Utah. So that whole case blended together, landed here. And when the whole thing was over, we saw this dinosaur picture and our detectives and everybody got together and said, we got to do something good on the back end of this. So we created Charlie's Dinosaur. Yeah. What does Charlie's Dinosaur do? Well, Charlie's Dinosaur is a program where we get new coats, clothes, artwork, school supplies, uh, toys, blankets, food, and we put them in suitcases and they're age appropriate and they're size appropriate and gender appropriate for kids that either go into foster care or there's an emergent situation or maybe even a car crash or a military or the firefighters come across them. And we make sure that that kid gets what they need to keep them for a few days, all brand new stuff until services kick in or they get back home or they get with another family member. Cause that window from the time of incident until everybody gets on the same page can take a little bit of time. And this is a really good, good gap step for that. Ed, are there any major themes of that day? Cause that's gotta be among the worst day of a kid's life. Are there, what are the major themes that you guys run into? Well, the major things that we run into is the kids are confused. A lot of times they don't know where they're going or it's the third time they've been somewhere and you know, they want somebody to know that people love them, whether it be cops, whether it be firemen, whether it be citizens or anybody that wants to help us do this. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's amazing to see kids light up, whether it's a new bike, 
or a bed that we've donated with you guys. We've done over hundreds of beds. Whatever it is, when a kid sees somebody else from the community standing up for them, you can just you can just see it in their face. You know, the, the thing that I like the most after I've gotten to know you mm-hmm. is you don't believe in red tape the same way that I don't believe in red tape. And the thing I like, when, when a kid is in need... There's no forms. There's no, not, like, you just Nothing get it like to them, that. right? If somebody says they're in need, they're in need. We just take care of it. You know, we, even when we do Toys for Tots, there's not a lot of paperwork. And there's in fact, there's none on a lot of the stuff we do. Because we always say, even if one person out of 10 is scamming us, that stuff's still going to end up in a kid's hand one way or the other. Right. If somebody has to go work that hard to scam us. There must be a reason for it. And, you know, the stuff's still going to end up in a kid's hand. It's still going to take care of somebody. Um, so we just worry about making sure people get what they need when they say they need it without embarrassing them and putting them through the paperwork. And a lot of times we'll have grandparents or friends call and say, I want to help these people and they'll come down. We'll load them up. Absolutely. So we don't need to see the kid. We don't need to see the paperwork. We don't need to verify it. Yeah, we have a check for you today for almost sixteen hundred dollars. On top of that, I just did a transaction this week, so I'm going to give five hundred dollars from that uh, transaction, uh, and from our friends at Windermere. So thanks for that. Uh, so just up over two thousand dollars. What can two thousand dollars do uh, for Charlie's Dinosaur? Two thousand dollars will do a lot, especially this time of year because we're going into the cold season, and we identify a lot of kids that are going to school that don't have heavy coats. They're wearing layers. We get calls from social workers. We get calls from uh, school counselors to say, look, I got 23 kids, 25 kids here that don't even own a single coat. So what we'll do with a lot of that money is we'll go identify some schools and identify some counselors who've done this in the past, find some kids that are living in foster care, kids that are living with parents because they've been displaced. And then we'll go in, size them all up, and we'll send people shopping and some of the people that go out and do the shopping for us, some of the girls that go do the shopping do a great job of getting deals and getting tax off and getting two for ones. And we tell the managers what we're doing. So they'll put every penny of that to use. And we're 100% volunteer. So there's no overhead. This will all go into helping kids. So Ed, it's been a number of years since this tragedy happened. There's absolutely no way you could ever, I, I can't even comprehend the, the loss of the Cox family and the, the, the magnitude of that tragedy. As this Charlie's Dinosaur thing has developed and grown, what what does the legacy mean to you and also to the the detectives that, that found that drawing and to the family? Well, the legacy of this is that something really, really positive came out of probably the worst thing we've ever experienced. You know, you take the whole incident and whole, you know, including the part where they were going to bury Josh right next to the boys. And we ended up buying the plots next to it and putting that angel statue up. And we've been there every December 4th since this incident occurred. Sheriff has been, I have been, Chuck Cox has been, so have hundreds of citizens. And it, it keeps going and perpetuating itself. And we keep bringing new detectives in, new volunteers, new people. That way, when we're all gone and we all leave law enforcement, it continues on people listen to this right now and they're like hey uh i didn't buy a t-shirt but i still want to be a part of charlie's dinosaurs kids are just a month in going back to school here how can they be a part of something bigger than themselves how can they reach out to you uh, directly go to the tacoma pierce county crime stoppers website tpcrimestoppers.com that's the 501 that oversees it and there's a donate button there's a lot of different ways to donate and go to our website and you can Get the address and send a check made out to Charlie's Dinosaur, or you can go online and donate right there. I mean, there's a lot of different ways. PayPal, credit card checks, we take it all and we put 100% of it 
Pierce. No. All right, Detective Ed Troyer is here from the Pierce County Sheriff's Department. You can stick around uh, for a few minutes, can't you? Sure. Yeah. I got a text message from Seattle Public Schools the other day. I've never got a text message like this before, and it absolutely shocked me. I have a nine-year-old who goes to Seattle Public Schools, and uh, I couldn't believe that the superintendent was sending me as a parent this note. And I imagine these notes are going out all over Pierce County, too, where uh, Ed Troyer works with the Pierce County Sheriff. So let's come back and talk about that and find out what the heck here is just going on. And you may have read about this, too, on the pages, the front pages of the Seattle Times. It's the Ron and Don Show only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. You should buy a shirt. It's the Ron and Don Nation t-shirt. $5 goes toward helping kids. It's cops helping kids. Find out more at ronanddon.com. Ed Troyer's here from the uh, Pierce County Sheriff's Department. Uh, a couple stories that are in the headlines right now. In fact, uh, the Seattle Times over the weekend since fentanyl deaths of area high schoolers prompt a warning. I got that warning from the Seattle Public Schools. And they say, look out in Pierce County because right now there's fakes. I guess there's fake pills out there. And it's led to three overdose uh, overdoses in kids that are currently high schoolers. My son's not a high schooler. He's in elementary school, and they still sent that out. Ed, what are you facing right now in Pierce County when it comes to fentanyl? What is fentanyl, and why are superintendents sending these notices out, not just to high school kids and high school parents, but also mid-school and all the way down to elementary school? Uh, I got that notice just last week. Well, down in Pierce County, we have seen a big dramatic drop in crime, except for when it comes to drug possession, drug overdoses, and most of it is heroin or bad heroin or bad pills laced with fentanyl because those numbers are continuing to go up. In fact, they are up 30% from this time last year. And that's a huge spike when you have different kids and adults and homeless people they're also going to need to get money to pay for these items. And the people that are bringing these items in are drug dealers, and they're not being held accountable. Oh. So what, what, is, what is fentanyl, and why is this part of the heroin mix now? Well, fentanyl is used to make basically fake Oxycontin pills, you know, pain pills, because they're heroin-based. But when you take fentanyl, that's way, way stronger. And when you make a fake pill people that are doing this aren't making exact recipes. So if you get a bad batch, just like a bad batch of heroin that's cut with something, if you get a bad pill that has too much fentanyl in it, it's going to kill you Mm. because your body's not going to be able to handle it, especially when you're somebody that doesn't normally use or take drugs. So Ed, is this a a thing in junior highs and high schools now where instead of like, like we would say, oh, we're going to sneak out and get some beers. Uh, Is it like now we're sneaking out and stealing someone's oxy or stealing someone's fentanyl? Well, hopefully... And luckily, it's not really a thing that's mainstream, but some of the kids that are doing it, we're getting multiple overdoses at a time. And we have a lot of different people in the county, firefighters and other people, they're taking the medicine with them to counteract it, to try and make um, make it go away. The Narcan, some of the other mm-hmm. different types of anti-drugs to do it. 
hopefully it doesn't become a bigger problem. This isn't a bunch of kids going out smoking marijuana or sneaking out and drinking some of their parents' alcohol. This is something the first time you take it, you think you're taking a pain pill. And for people that don't know, if you have a sore arm or leg, if you've had surgery and you start taking prescribed opiates, what it does, it makes the pain go away by you not caring. And by you not caring means all your other problems go away too. And so a kid who has issues, they take this and it masks the problem, could get hooked really, really easily because there's bullying, there's all kinds of different things that are going on out there that would prompt a kid to take these pills. And what's really strange is how inexpensive they are. You can get two or three hits of heroin or opiate for about $15. Oh my gosh. And you can get a couple of hits of meth now for about $10. And majority of the stuff is not being manufactured in the United States. It's coming across borders and it's coming into the country through large groups of other people in other countries that are making masses amount and shipping it here. So when I went to college, and I could be, be doing my uh, ignorance here, this was, at the time, they thought run by gangs. Uh, going up the I-5 corridor, you would have shipments coming in from a big port city like Los Angeles. It would be distributed along the inter- interstate system by gangs and then uh, handed out and sold on the street by the local chapter, if you will. Is that still the case, or am I, am I like old school here? That's a little old school because there's a lot more people that are involved in it than just gangs. There's a lot of people that are involved in the drug dealing industry because they'll sell 10 pills and then they'll earn the money to give themselves three. So a lot of these people that are doing the very low level dealing are doing the dealing to keep them in the game too, to keep them within the drugs. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like anything, there's a hierarchy. There's somebody that brings a lot more in and a trunk load or a car load or a boat load. It just gets bigger and bigger from the country and it distributes down to it gets down to the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you can go out and look around and you can see actual drug deals happen on the streets. There's just so much of it going on. You just can't keep up with it. Hmm. So by the time it reaches where a school superintendent's going to send out a mass text to parents, there's a lot of politics that have gone into that. There's a lot of meetings behind the scenes. What What's the advice for the individual parent with a, with a child in the school systems? Figure out what the problem is. Why are they taking the drug? Why are they trying to buy it, fix it there? Because nobody else is going to fix it for you. That's what the warnings are all about. There's just too much of it out there. And if you're going to have areas and rooms and jurisdictions that are going to allow this to occur, they're not giving you stuff that's made in a lab. They may be allowing you to take it and use it, but they're not the ones dealing it. What they're the ones doing is letting it be legal so all the illegal criminals and drug dealers are the ones bringing the product in. Ed Troyer's here. Uh, don't forget Charlie's Dinosaur. If you want to be a part of something bigger than yourselves, you can go online. You can buy a t-shirt, $5. Every Ron and Don Nation t-shirt that uh, helps with Charlie's Dinosaurs. Kids go back to school, and that is Cops Helping Kids. Uh, we come back, $30, $30 car tabs in the great state of Washington. And you've probably seen some of the commercials on television. Tim Iman is behind all of this. And what happens if we push through $30 car tabs? Ed was just telling me. Yeah. How much money did you car tabs? How much money did you spend on car tabs in Pierce County? Over eight hundred dollars. Over eight hundred dollars. It's a really nice car, though. Well, it's it's not mine, but (laughs) I just put the tabs on it. But yeah, absolutely. I'm eight hundred dollars for tabs, and you know, in Pierce County, we voted that down by seventy percent, and we're nowhere near light rail or these projects and that are going on in King County, Seattle. So you can't even get heavy rail. There's a little heartache. Yeah, there's. Well, you got to keep the trains on the tracks. (laughs) All right, let's come back talk about that. Uh, I nine. 
1-800-636-9976. It's the Ron and Don Show, only on the Ron and Don. 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 Ron. On the Ron and Don Radio Network, man. Okay, how much do I have to pay you for this? One dollar. Help cops help kids. Go to ronandon.com right now and buy a t-shirt. And $5 from every t-shirt sale will help kids like me. It's called Charlie's Dinosaur. All right, it's uh, the Ron and Don Show, only on the Ron and Don uh, Radio Network. Don't forget, Ron and Don are licensed realtors. You can reach out to Ron. Ron at windermere.com. Don O'Neill at windermere.com. Ed Troyer is here for the Pierce County Sheriff's Department. We're talking about initiative here in a moment. We didn't talk a lot about initiatives, but I think this one... Uh, it's important if you live in the great state of Washington, especially if you're just moving here. Ron, it's kind of interesting because I know that you were at some open houses over the weekend. I was at some open houses over the weekend. And people say that real estate right now is slowing down throughout the country. But we're certainly not seeing this in the greater Seattle area. I was at open house up near Northgate. A lot of people talking about Northgate is they're getting ready uh, to basically tear apart Northgate Mall. And that area right now, up near Licton Springs, as a result, is really booming right now because you can still find a home up there in the sixes or sevens or eights, which is pretty impossible to right. find around Seattle right now with a little yard. And In fact, I saw one uh, over the weekend for $645,000. The first hour of that open house, they said that 70 people had come through, right? So people here are still shopping. A lot of people here that are still shopping are from other parts of the country. They arrive here in Seattle. One of the reasons they arrive here in Seattle and they come along with the tech boom when they hear, hey, there is no state income tax. We love living in a state, they think, or they love living in a state with state, uh, no state income tax. As a result of that, though, if you're going to do things like they're doing up north, like light rail, which is one of the things that people love that move here, because usually they're moving from some urban corridor. In fact, the number one urban corridor they're, they're moving from is typically San Francisco. Or you and I last fall, we were in a great place like Paris, where the trains run, they run on time, and there's lots of them, and people love to use those. Here in the city of Seattle, we're kind of stuck using accordion buses. Yeah. We're trying to catch up a little bit, and one of the ways that you catch up is this initiative i976 the mayor dow constantine they've come out against this you even see state troopers right now with their commercial that's rolling they've come out against this can you kind of explain why there's an attraction for people saying hey you know what unwind this thing i want to pay 30 dollar car tabs why wouldn't you right well, i think it's important to separate the issues that we have here and, and think about them separately do we need a light rail in our city do we need more mass transit i think universally whether wherever you're at on the political spectrum most people would say yeah like there needs to be convenient ways to get people around our community and so if we if we set that off to the side uh, and just sort of go yeah the congestion the traffic anywhere you drive i was uh, if you drive down to tacoma where ed troyer lives it's it's a ridiculous uh the the type of traffic that you see and it'll be the middle of the day and you'll be backed up for 45 minutes so i think everyone agrees that we need more options in that now how do you pay for it 
Uh, and how are we going to finance it? That's the question that we're really talking about. And so you have that's where the politics gets in. And this is a long and, and sordid tale. But the, the solution they came up with is to put a, a very heavy tax on cars with the logic of, hey, all you car people, why don't you get out of your car? And so uh, to sort of penalize them a little bit, or the, at least the, the politicians speak here, we're going to kind of penalize these people for using the roads to subsidize people that are going to be not using a car. And so that's really attractive to a certain political mindset. Uh, and again, you can agree with it or not agree with it, but in Seattle, that was the mindset. We're going we're gonna to frame this issue up as... A penalty, that's the word I'm using, a penalty in a sense, have the people that are using the cars pay for the people that are not going to use the cars and the bicycles and that sort of thing. And that's that's very fraught because there's a lot of people, if you live in the South or you live in the North, that you have to have a car. Uh, There's no choice. If you live in a rural area, you're not walking uh, four miles to get to a bus stop, you know, it'd take you three hours to get to work every day. So you have to have a vehicle. And I think that in some ways has really thrown a wrench in this entire process. Yeah. And, and I think the thing that we have to consider too is I think there'll be a lot of people out there that would say, yes, I, I would like $30 car tabs. And on the other hand, listen to the people that are moving here, the people that are moving here. One of the number one things they bring up is where is light rail. I was at Mercer on an open house over the weekend, and the person there, the realtor, was just light rail here in 2023 and 2023 and 2023. You go up near Northgate, a house that I looked at near Northgate in North Seattle, they have pictures on the table of light oh, yeah. rail that's coming to Lo- Northgate and the fact that you can walk to uh, Northgate, you can walk to the Northgate light rail if you live in Lichten Springs. And it's going to be amazing for the people that have access to that, but the people that don't have access to it and are being asked to pay, yeah. that's going to ruffle a lot of feathers. Yeah, so let's bring in Ed Troy right now, Pierce County Sheriff's Department. We were talking a little bit off air. You just paid, what, $850 yeah, for some car tabs, right? I took light rail to the game. <laughs> and it took me 45 minutes to drive to the closest light rail station. No way. Oh, yeah. We had 200 Street where it dead ends. Huh. From where I live, and to a 45-minute drive to get to the closest place where I can even get on light rail. That was a Thursday night in Seattle. You were a Thursday night Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks game. That's a little unusual. Wait till they start playing hockey, though, at the same time. And well, you got to get somewhere on a Thursday So what do you night. say to the people well, where we the argument... we weren't going to make the drive because yeah. the roads would have been bad. And we, I like the light rail, and I like paying for the light rail. I just think that um, some of us feel a little hit hard down in the south sound because we really don't get to use it and we're years and years and years away from being able to get to use it like everybody else does but yet we're paying for it what do you think would be fair well if i could go 50 percent less <laughs> of 850 bucks i feel better about that it seems like the you could create some sort of map overlay where if you're x number of miles from a light rail station then you're on a graduated scale you know, it's like if we're going to if the logic really is the people that use it pay for it and the people that are closest to it and aren't using it, we want to give them a, a burden because to incentivize them to go use it, then just create an algorithm. We live in the land of programmers, create an algorithm that says if Ed Troyer is 45 minutes away from the nearest light rail station, he pays less than Ron, who might be three miles away from a light rail station. That makes sense to me. Yeah. 
Ed, uh, when do you guys finally get to use light rail down in the uh, It won't sunset? be in any time in my life that I'm ever going to actually be able to take advantage of it unless I still have season tickets for the Seahawks in 10 years. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a while. Yeah. You know, there's different ways to go down there, you know, and there's different ways to move around. I've taken the Amtrak up before. I've taken the Sounder up before. Um, You've taken the, the Sheriff helicopter up before. Yeah, it's a plane, but it's hard to land <laughs> near the stadium. We come back. We'll finish up with Ed Troyer. Uh, there's some new science out that says we just need to do a better job of making sure that we understand what first responders go through and making sure that there's a safety net for them when they decide they're going to tire from the job. doesn't matter whether you're a firefighter, police officer, EMT, first or second responder somewhere in a hospital how are we making sure our first and second responders are taken care of mentally after they walk away from that career we'll talk about it with that next it's the ron and don show only on the ron and don radio network don't go anywhere unless you want to it's the ron and don show starring ron and don and sometimes me at ronanddon.com Troyer's here, Pierce County Sheriff's Department. Uh, he's the PIO there. Uh, they are hiring right now, right? Yeah, if you want to uh, be a part of the Pierce County Sheriff's Department, how do you do that? Well, we're like everybody else. We're all hiring. We're hiring correction deputies, and we're hiring deputies for the field, too. They can just go to PierceSheriff.org, just like any department. You know, we're not we're not out trying to steal from other departments like they're trying to steal from us. We're trying to recruit our own fresh blood because we know everybody else is um, hurting, too. So uh, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to look for people that want a new career coming out of the military. Go to PierceSheriff.org and all the information's there. No. Why, why is it so hard, uh, do you think, to hire uh, law enforcement right now? Do people look at their television screens and just go, wow, I don't, I don't want to be a social worker. I don't want to deal. We were just talking about the fentanyl crisis, the heroin crisis. Uh, the fact that to some degree you are going to be a social worker and you are going to be taking care of folks out there that seem well you're you're on the front lines of people that that can't take care of themselves right i talk to our guys every week and right now we are doing more mental health intervention in crisis and drug overdoses and people that are on the verge of homelessness and so we're doing social work we're doing more of that type of stuff than we are actually crime yeah how do you deal with the fact that you know that there's homeless folks in there. You know that there's people with PTSD that maybe went to Iraq and Afghanistan. And then in the midst of all that, you know that there's criminals that are hiding out uh, because at the end of the day, they are making money off the fentanyl, off the heroin, off the methamphetamine drug trade, right? Right. One of the things that we've done, we actually put crisis response people with mental health experts with our deputies into patrol cars. So if we come across somebody who's blocking an intersection or in a mental health crisis or some type of issue like that, we'll put a mental health worker in a patrol car and embed them with our deputies and bring them to the call to try and de-escalate the situation. And it's working great. We have three, now we have five, and we have them available 24 hours a day, and we're using them a lot. And it's probably going to be the point to where that part of our department 
and departments around the country are going to need to ramp up to have professionals in the mental health industry riding with our deputies. That way we can get them there quick before tragedy occurs, including lots of suicides. We come in every morning and are seeing multiple suicides. You know, one of my partners was talking about driving their kids out Pacific Avenue to the mountains and then back on Meridian. And four different times, our little kid looked out the window and thought somebody was dead on the side of the road. Why is there a dead guy or a dead lady on the side of the road when it in fact is a homeless person just sleeping on the corner? Because we have to go check on them. We have to make sure they're okay, but we can't force them into a car. We can't force them into services. That might need to change someday. We might have to say, okay, look, we don't want you to die or get hurt or hurt somebody else. So if you're not going to take services, we might have to go the mental health route with them and commit them for 72 hours to get them cleared up services, some counseling to see if we can get them off the streets, see if we can get them to be a productive part of society and not be a victim to other people out on the road. All right. And I want to flip that. Uh, on its head a little bit. What about the mental health of the people that we were just talking about recruiting, where they're now seeing a difference? It's one thing to wake up every morning and go, I'm chasing the bad guys. Right. I'm on the good good team. I'm chasing the bad team. It's a different thing when you wake up every morning and you don't know, you might be dealing with things that you're not mentally prepared to deal with. Yeah, really interesting article this week. It says how PTSD and depression haunts first responders even after the job is over. And it talks about the fact that if you're a firefighter, if you're a police officer, if you're an EMT, if you are a first, second responder at a place like Harborview, a lot of times you yourself experience brain trauma uh, when you see some of the things that you see, and then it begins to loop. And for some folks, it can last a lifetime. And they're saying, you know what? We need to do a better job at making sure that there are services for first responders and that there are real services for first responders because i think sometimes departments yeah they have somebody that maybe you can go talk to or here's a 1-800 phone number but are there really are there really really services in a place like pierce county if you're one of the pierce county sheriff's department and you really just saw something traumatic on the roadways and you need somebody to talk about maybe short or long term that's correct when i first came on there was no services. And if you got upset over a thing like that, people made fun of you and laughed at you because that's the tough guy image. Now, departments have done a really good job with peer support. Our own people take care of each other. We have peer support teams that will go out and talk to officers. We have counseling and a whole path for people to get help if they need it. And what's the good thing is, is a lot of people are taking advantage of that a lot more than used to. And um, we had a suicide within our own department uh, who we thought was a perfectly well-adjusted deputy. Great deputy, goes out, takes care of business. City of Lakewood, same thing. Had an officer, kick-ass officer, go out, take care of business. Both of them uh, committed suicide. Some things were going on with them that we didn't know until we looked a little deeper when we started talking to their family members. They just held it in, and it took its toll on them. So most departments around here, any large departments, had suicides within their own department. In fact, suicides now, there are more suicides in law enforcement per year than line of duty deaths from the bad guys. Yeah. That's not right. Yeah, I was reading in this HuffPost article that it can be for a career— a uh, man or woman in law enforcement, or if they've been a first responder, especially over 20 years, that that number has gone up almost 9% when it comes to those experiencing depression mm-hmm. and those experiencing uh, suicide. It, the, you, you guys see 
unspeakable things day in and day out. And I think that that's, and you carry that around. You can't just turn it, turn it off uh, when you clock out at five. And so I'm glad to hear that that culture is changing because I've talked to you and I've talked to some mutual friends that you sort of introduced me to. And it's like, I can't like, if I have a bad day, like I, I, break a pen or I miss, I put a wrong piece of information into a contract or whatever. It's like, it's, yeah, it's frustrating, but it's not, I'm not seeing the type of things that you see. And so that, that makes me feel a little bit better that they're able to have, have someone to reach out and not feel ashamed that, Hey, this one really hit me sideways. Well, I know a lot of first responders listen to your show because I hear about it all the time. And if you're out there, don't, don't be afraid to ask for help because it's out there. It's private. Ask for help. You know, if you're an older guy and you're a crusty old guy in the department, ask for help. If you're a younger guy and you see something going sideways, or if you're a wife or a relative of somebody that's a first responder or works in a trauma center in a hospital, maybe intervene and talk to a friend, get help. Why, why are you getting emotional about this right now? Oh, well, because, you know, it's kind of weird when you see, I mean, I've actually seen the suicides and read the reports of, of first responders and you feel, dang, I wish I could have done something. You know, I wish I would have known or I wish there was something else we could do. And the main thing is identifying it. If you don't identify it, you're not going to fix it. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to fester in somebody. And that's just not first responders. We're just seeing suicides up in general all over the place. Um, you know, what's happening is even though it seems like percentages of things are going down, what's happening in the Pacific Northwest is a population is going up so much that the population is going up so much. So our amount of calls are going up, even though the percentages are going down, just because of the sheer volume of how many people are there. When I started in Pierce County, we had eh, maybe 500,000 people. Now we're just about ready to cross 900,000 in two years, we'll have a million. So our population in Pierce County has doubled in 20 years, 25 yeah. years. How do we talk about this in healthy ways? And in, uh, in Engine 9 in, in Seattle, some people call that the suicide engine, it's because you see it on bridges a lot, uh, kind of in the Fremont area. And when you see Engine 9 up on a bridge, you, especially I-99, people know what I'm talking about, you typically know why that engine is up there. And you see first responders, and they are out, and they're talking to somebody, or somebody has already jumped, and they put that suicide up, net up, which has been helpful. But in the media, we've always been taught. Like when Ron and I worked at radio stations, don't talk about it, don't talk about it, don't talk about it. Even in real time when it was happening, uh, we weren't supposed to talk about it on the radio. And it would be shocking to people. It would be shocking to people to know why traffic sometimes is really backed up in the city, especially when it's happening multiple times. And again, we were told always not to talk about it because then you you end up with copycats. Where do you land on that? Because you use, and I shouldn't say use, you're one of the greatest partners of the media I've ever seen. Uh, Ed Troyer, Pierce County Sheriff's Department, the sheriff himself. You have done a good job in partnering with the media and getting information out. Where do you stand uh, on the fact when somebody's standing on a bridge and traffic is backed up for 15 miles and it's something that we aren't talking about. Should we be talking about it? Yeah, I think we should be talking about it. We also have a fire engine in Tacoma that is two blocks away from the Narrows Bridge. And when you see the fire engine stopped on the Narrows Bridge, you know what happened. And I can kind of see that area from where I live. And so I'll call and they usually confirm that somebody was on the bridge and jumped. And there's two thoughts about that. One is you don't want to promote people jumping off the bridge so other people will come jump off the bridge. I get that. But you do need to talk about the suicide part, why the traffic was backed up, 
And if you're going to find people that are in peril or walking across a bridge, we've had citizens stop and talk people off the rail. We've had cops talk people off the rail. And you don't hear that. Uh, maybe we should be talking a little bit that more about that more. And I think if you look at our Facebook page, my department Facebook page, you will see in the last couple months, there's been four or five very visible suicides that we write about in depth. And we put it out there to the public. And then we put all the suicide, you know, numbers and hotlines. That way, if somebody's doing that, they can get help. I mean, we, we kind of wrap it around, not what this person did, but this is what everybody saw. This is what happened. If you know somebody in peril like this, here's where you can get help. Okay. People want to get in touch with you. Uh, how can they do that? Detective Ed Troyer, Pierce County Sheriff's Department, the PIO there. Oh, I'm easy to find. <laughs> yeah, just call me. You know, email anywhere. Anyway, we we got a couple of us that go through, and we pretty much answer everybody on our Facebook pages. You know, we and this will tell you something that the public's really engaging with us. Our Facebook page has over sixty five thousand followers. Wow, and that's the second highest of any organization in Pierce County next to the News Tribune. That's awesome. Hmm. Congratulations. So, yeah. yeah. What if someone's listening right? now and they're like yeah i think i'd like to be an officer but i'd like to see what officers do first uh what can they do we have workshops if you go to our webpage, we have workshops where you can come on a saturday our next workshop we have 100 people signed up for it to come in and we'll show them what they're going to do maybe give them some ride-alongs and bring them up the level and you also want people that can dance and act for all your videos that get millions of views online yeah our video's gotten over two and a half million but the best thing about that is nobody can dance and that's why it's got (laughs) two and a half million views if you've seen the video online of the pierce county sheriff's dancing against little girls you'll understand cool uh, the cuteness of it but um one of the things that people don't understand is that for it takes 25 people to apply to find somebody to work for you. By 25 people applying, we have to go through criminal background, uh, mental health background, and a whole series of tests. And by the time we're done and somebody gets to the academy, it's about one out of 25 that apply mm. that actually end up on the street. So we have not lowered our standards. We are still very selective, and we want people that want to come do this job to come apply. Awesome. Before you go, one more time, Charlie's Dinosaur, for people that gave, they bought a t-shirt, and you can still buy a t-shirt, ronanddon.com. Take a picture of your Ron and Don Nation t-shirt. Send it to us. We'd love to uh, show that on our socials. What is Charlie's Dinosaur, and uh, how can how can people help? Charlie's Dinosaur is a program created by cops to help kids. That's the bottom line. You know, we do a lot of different things. The suitcases uh, for kids going into care, coats for kids that are cold in the winter, That's the same group that helped distribute beds with you guys to over 100 kids in Pierce County, along with the Seattle Police Department. So we're up for anything where it can help a kid, and we can have first responders and cops help kids. We're in. Yeah. Here come the holidays. Uh, A a quick plug. Here comes Thanksgiving, Christmas, and you guys do a lot with uh, Toys for Tots. Tots. And we're we're going to be very... We were unable to be involved with it last year because we were forbidden. <laughs> so no, I know. Nobody, nobody could hold us back, which was really bizarre. Yeah, uh, that gentleman is no longer there. That that forbidden. So uh, anyway, we cannot help kids. I don't know what kind of business you guys are in, but we are not in the kid helping business around here. No, we were forbidden to help you last year. <laughs> no, this I know. Year, I, this I, year I called help. in and put Ron put Ron on <laughs> no. tilt a little bit, like he put him put him in between, but he finally got a little plug in for our toy drive. I, yeah. I hope that was in your guys' demise. Might have been. That's okay. <laughs> if we're going to go down, we're going to go down because down toys helping Toys or Tots. And yeah. yeah, we're getting back into that season. In fact, today's the official kickoff for Toys or Tots nationwide. So you'll be seeing a lot of different things on my Facebook page or department page as we get toys together for, you know, last year we gave 75,000 toys away to kids in Pierce County, 
hospitals, shelters, you know, different different areas where there's group homes, you name it. We don't leave anybody out. We do everything we can. And we can't do that without, obviously, the public and the Ron and Don Nation. They've yeah. stepped up many times. They don't fight you over a toy. Oh, yeah. For a kid. I've seen them do it. Won't you? I'm dangerous when we walk. <laughs> <laughs> but there's people who fight you back there. You got 10 slinkies! Those are my slinkies from Pierce County! Yeah, if anybody well, listening to shopping. He knows an alarming amount about like sparkly things and dolls. It's like, wait a minute, right? Yeah. You, no, that's what? why we like the volunteers and the girls' baseball teams that come. But if I didn't know that you were running no, a toy, I'd be no, like, why does this guy know so much about Barbies? That's yeah. kind of weird. Well, that's just it because you'll see the cops that are involved looking at a toy for a five-year-old girl or a fourteen-year-old girl and be confused what box to put them in because right. you don't know. So that's, that's nice. why we love volunteers and girls to come down and younger girls that help us sort this type of stuff. Uh, find yep. Ed Troyer's on your Facebook page. Uh, give him a follow, and if you want to be a part of that. Something bigger than yourself. There's the opportunity. All right. He's Ron. I'm Don. He's Ed Troyer. Don't forget to keep your head up and your shoulders back. We'll see you next week right here on the Ronnie Don Radio Network. Ron and Don. <laughs> you good? Yeah. Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> 